Yes. to be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday. Exactly. Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falcon. It's time for Falcon Screen and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, hello. Uh, this theme music is growing on me, i got to say. I think this is going to be our theme music till the end of time. It was an excellent, excellent addition to an otherwise well, the average film. Um, and, <laughs> and as Elton John is an excellent addition to everything always. So it is, uh, we have finished our supporters drive. We are back to talking about the movies of the week. We'll be talking later in the program about Halloween. Happy Halloween, everyone. It is Halloween night. And of course, First Man, which is more likely to garner some Oscar nominations, but not nearly as good. I, I hope not. I mean, it wasn't that good just because it's directed by Damien Chazelle. But anyway, Ryan Gosling is cute. He's, That's he, all I got to say. He doesn't really do anything in this. He just kind of stands there. When Yeah, that's all he needs to do. He's cute. That's his point. He just needs to exist and be cute. We will be talking more about that later in the program. However, first up, the Jewish Film Festival is in full swing at cinemas around the country and most notably in Sydney, including at Bondi Junction and the place where I saw all the Harry Potter films growing up, the beautiful Roseville Cinema. And we have the festival director on the line to talk all things Jewish Film Festival, Eddie Tamir. Eddie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, and hello, everybody out there. Oh, it's good to have you. And uh, first of all, we'd like to know the festival. Um, it's in full swing. It's screening for quite a while to come. We were keen to talk about some of the films and all, but first of all, broadly speaking, the Jewish Film Festival, what is it, what is it all about? Um, well, yeah, it's, uh, it runs for a month, and uh, it's actually the 28th year of Jewish Film Festivals in Australia which, uh, interestingly, is the same length of time as the French Film Festival has been running in Australia. And at that time, they may have been the only ones. And now there are about 48 film festivals in Australia. Wow. So th- I didn't realise that Jeff was one of the, one of the very first. Or if not the first, that's incredible. Yeah, I mean... so, so we've been running it, we've been running Jeff for eight years. And prior to that, there were you know, other Jewish festivals in different incarnations, but it's been continuously running. For 28 years of Jewish film festivals in Australia, yeah. You would have covered some just amazing, amazing films over the decades because you have a very broad range. It's films that are produced by people of Jewish backgrounds, I understand, but also films that have uh, predominant, even not so predominant, Jewish themes. That's right. Well, kind of different criteria, actually, in, you know, with films from Israel and with films from the diaspora, as in outside Israel. Um, and... Uh, that definition that you said in terms of just Jewish filmmakers, that's not really our criteria. America's good at that. They're, they're kind of into that for their 50-odd Jewish film festivals. I see, okay. Um, oh, wow, that's a lot. But, but we, um, yeah, if it's outside Israel, we, we kind of go for a Jewish theme, story, character. It has to have some resonant content. Uh, and in Israel, a bit broader, because it's kind of the cold face of Jewish history, or it is the cold face of Jewish history today, so... Kind of anything that happens, whether it's a Greek Orthodox story or, a, you know, a, an, an Arab East Jerusalem story, uh, somehow that resonates with Jewish experience uh, in some way from our point of view. So that's kind of our criteria. Well, absolutely. And there are some very, very uh, diverse offerings at the festival, to be sure. I'm very keen to talk about some of the films, but I think first, just to touch on, um, uh, as everyone will know, there's been a very serious incident in the US, uh, which occurred approximately 2 a.m. on Sunday morning Australia time, which was the worst terrorist attack 
uh, affecting the Jewish community in the U.S., where 11 people of the Tree of Life synagogue congregants were killed, six more were injured, including four police officers. Um, there have been a number of Sydney events to commemorate this. Certainly the rabbi at Sydney Central Synagogue, Levi Walker, gave a very moving speech on Sunday night immediately following the events. And I know uh, this is pre-recorded, but uh, by the time we've gone to air, there will have been a vigil at Sydney's um, great synagogue. Um, obviously, and it's a bit of a personal issue for me because I have a number of friends. My family live in Pennsylvania and a number of friends from the Pittsburgh area. And um, my former boss is actually the editor of the Pittsburgh Jewish Chronicle, who uh, Jim has been doing right. amazingly, really important work over the past few days. So my hearts and thoughts go out to that community. And certainly the events that happened affect communities the world over. And we know this festival covers many themes of Jewish experience. And I'm very curious from your perspective how this program and the festival broadly can shed light and have relevance to um, the world and the, what we're seeing mm. in the world today and the, the, the place we're living in. Sure, sure. There's definitely, uh, there's definitely thematics through uh, lots of contemporary film that uh, deals with racism in general and anti-Semitism specifically today, uh, especially in Europe, less so in America, but there you go. Um, just one that stands out uh, that comes to mind as you ask me that question is a Romanian film, which has a very cumbersome uh, uh, title, and it's called I Do Not Care If We Go Down in History as Barbarians. Uh, and it's the remaining entry into the Oscars next year, best oh, um, foreign category. And um, it's a film within a film set today. A young female filmmaker is uh, making a film in Bucharest in the town square of Romania, and it's actually about a, a barn burning of Jews in the Second World War. That's the film. And she's shooting it today, and it's about the resonance and the way that interacts with contemporary Romanians and clearly a very pointed um, commentary with a black kind of comic satirical twist to it about contemporary racism and xenophobia in Romania, uh, but it's done in a very interesting style. Um, uh, Austrian film, we've got three Austrian films, contemporary ones, and they also really speak to, uh, speak to you know, contemporary racism raging and uh, the Waldheim waltz about Kurt Waldheim and his Nazi past being exposed yes. um, which uh, is a contemporary brand new film and the filmmaker finds what's going on in Austria today as, as uh, a trigger for her to make this film um, and uh, let me go back even to a 1924 film we're doing two um restorations of 1920s films and one chillingly and pre-scientifically if that's a, a word um is um called the city without jews which is an austrian film based on a novel made in the 1920s the print was found in some paris flea market in the 80s uh and they restored it and it's just on now and it's about a a mythical town in Europe based on on Vienna called Utopia. And uh, the townsfolk decide that uh, they'd be better off to have a city without Jews, so they kick all the Jews out. And the film goes from there and has a, uh, a very uh, interesting ending. Uh, so, you know, it's... it's, uh, it's 
it's it's massively tragic and uh, clearly, uh, you know, uh, the events of Pittsburgh are, you know, uppermost and foremost, but the world is um, clearly going mad. Thank you for that. I'm looking forward to seeing a number of programs at the festival. My friends and I have got um, several things scheduled in, and certainly um, the many of the films you're screening are extraordinarily relevant to the world today. Um, another one which I am sure too is, and I'm very keen to touch on, there are many members of the South African community throughout Australia, many of whom are also members of the Jewish community, and there is a South African Dutch film um, with a very on which covers a very trying and very sad portion of history on the other side of the world. Yes. So uh, the South African film you're talking about, Act of Defiance? Yes, that's right. Yeah. So uh, Act of Defiance uh, is uh, a South African film about the trial uh, of the um, of 10 people who were accused of anti-apartheid terrorism, planning of a terrorist attack, and in amongst them were Nelson Mandela. And what's particularly, I guess, relevant from a Jewish perspective is that the only people in, well, all the people in the trial were either um, black Africans or Jews, and that's who comprised the accused. And, um, you know, 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 from a Jewish film festival perspective, it's about the, I guess, the, the zeitgeist of many Jews at the time, which were about justice and uh, equality and the fight that they fought uh, for that. And uh, there's a lot of other nuances in there. The actual prosecutor of, of the uh, those standing trial was actually a Jewish guy. Uh, and there's lots of layering and complexity in the Jewish uh, storytelling of that very, uh, you know, important period in history. No, absolutely. And I know a number of the, as you said, a number of the people who represented them at the, I think it was the Veronia trial, which was documented excellently in Mandela's book, Long Walk to Freedom, um, Joffrey, among others. And uh, I'm looking forward very much to seeing their recounting in this film. Another, yeah. I'm very interested, I know it's uh, getting quite a bit of buzz, is the reports on Sarah and Salim, which uh, hails from a number of countries. But I know in addition to the Jewish Film Festival, he's also playing at the Palestinian Film Festival. I think it's the only film that's crossing over between the two. Can you tell us a little bit about this film? Yeah, it's a great film. It's a great film. And um, it actually uh, it played in Rotterdam. I think it might have memory was it was awarded best film in Rotterdam and um, it's uh, a story of a pretty brief love affair between two married people one a Jewish Israeli woman from West Jerusalem married to an Israeli army colonel and a a um, a Palestinian living in East Jerusalem, uh, married to his uh, Palestinian wife, and a love affair between him and the, the Jewish woman explodes with exponential political ramifications into an absolute, um, you know, uh, explosive, uh, thrilling, and moving uh, uh, series of events. 
Right, thank you. Um, and I know a film that's playing, I think it's the closing night of the festival, which is the Melissa McCarthy film. She's quite a big star. I was always a fan of Gilmore Girls growing up, and she's had a very mm. diverse film career since then. And she's also playing one of the very prominent films, or in one of the very prominent films at the festival. Yeah, so not closing. We're actually closing with Unorthodox, which is the Jerusalem Film Festival. Oh, excuse me, yes. But uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me is Melissa McCarthy going for it in terms of a dramatic role and it's a fantastic film kind of small canvas film but high quality amazing performances and she um, is uh, performing the role of the true wife uh, character Lee Israel who was a basically a one hit wonder novelist and after many attempts to try to write the second one she kind of spirals into a pretty dark place and in order to get by um, she uses her great turn of phrase and her interesting literary letters to start forging literary letters and selling them. And that's the uh, that's where the film uh, journeys through. And um, the last film I'd very much like to ask you about, we talked a lot earlier in the year at the Sydney Film Festival, so the Melbourne International Film Festival, a film called Three Identical Strangers played um, with a fascinating story which has very strong Jewish themes. However, there's another documentary screening at this festival which covers um, similar events. And I'm very curious to hear about this one because I was fascinated by the story and I'm very curious to see this one as well. Sure. So, yeah, this is a great... um you know, shall I say in inverted commas, uh, a sibling piece to uh, Three Identical Strangers. And um, it's called The Twinning Reaction. And it it deals with the triplets from Three Identical Strangers as one quarter of the story. And the other uh, three quarters deal with three sets of twins that underwent a similar fate, as in adopted out uh, to different families, and for the sake of this scientific experiment, again in inverted commas, uh, to study nature versus nurture and twins and twinning reactions. And it actually, the twinning reaction, the film uh, that we're screening is more about the, the scientists behind it, the, the, the attempt to get the truth, uh, to uncover and get the, the, the information declassified, as well as actually reaching different conclusions to uh, Three Identical Strangers on the nature-nurture question. Israel, very looking, much looking forward to it. And for the others out there who are looking forward to the festival, um, it's happening now. How do we get there? How do we get tickets? Where do we go? Sure. So uh, GIF, J-I-F-F.com.au is the, uh, the digital space. And uh, you can also go to the cinema websites of Event Cinemas Bondi Junction, as well as the Roseville Cinemas. Or just rock up to uh, Bondi Junction and Roseville and uh, speak to the great staff there and buy some tickets. Wonderful. Looking forward to training back to Roseville. My entire high school class went there to see the Prisoner of Azkaban, so I'm looking forward to running into a few <laughs> of my old mates there. It is a beautiful, beautiful, very underrated cinema. Eddie, thank you so free much. Popcorn. And free, with free popcorn. No, no free popcorn. Oh, just think Roseville have the best popcorn. Oh, yes. Wait, wait. Chris is just uh, here and he's just pointing out that Roseville have the, not free popcorn, no, sorry, the best popcorn, which I remember very fondly. Used to get big tubs of growing up. So please head along. Eddie, thank you so much for j- joining us. Looking forward to catching a flick at the festival. Thanks for having me and uh, thanks for being interested. Thank you. So we'll be back right after this with Halloween and First Man. Stay tuned.
that is the theme from First Man, the best and probably one of the only good things about this movie. Yeah, rough. That's talking rough about man. talking about First Man by three men, three yeah, men, three men. Three will, men. Will I be the first man to talk about <laughs> First Man? You, you will not be. You'll be like the I don't know. How many men have been on the moon now? There's probably more people have spoken about. Actually, there's a great website which says how many people are in space right now. I actually check it periodically. I think there are four at the moment. Okay, right. Well, we are all space enthusiasts, aren't we? At least on our Tinder bios. We're all pretty spaced out right now. <laughs> we, are, we, we are pretty spaced. We're <laughs> heading to Kino after this. Do check out Kino Cabaret yeah, coming up very soon. Yeah, it's Shout it's out to Edgar Wright for Spaced. Yeah, yeah. Shout outs, shout outs to Edgar. So we will be talking about First Man in the moment. Before we do, I just want to clarify in case all the two SEL listeners are rushing to Roseville Cinemas, they are not repeat, not offering free popcorn. They are offering good popcorn. I also want to clarify that I'm not on a first name basis with Edgar Wright. I was just trying to be cool. <laughs> I call him Edgar all the time. It's 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 fine. Good one, baby. So driver. <laughs> so tonight is Halloween. It is the 30th of October. Happy Halloween, everyone. And the one film we do have to talk about, which is in cinemas now, or sorry, in cinemas tomorrow, is Halloween. New film by David Gordon Green. Third film called Halloween. I think it's the 11th in this franchise. Though, curiously, it is a direct sequel to the very first one. They've just skipped all other nine or so films. This has been done before. There was a sequel to Halloween 2, done for the 20th anniversary of the original Halloween, Halloween Water, as I like to call it, <laughs> Halloween H two zero. Also, I think yeah, they like to forget about with that one. Tom, with yeah, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, yeah. and now there's Halloween twenty eighteen, yeah. as it's not called, just Halloween. But eleven, to, uh, eleven Halloween. Further films. degrade the art of the film title. I think it's eleven. I, I yeah. haven't seen them all. I admit. Yeah. Sorry, I haven't seen them all. It's, it's been it's, done before. I like a, a sequel that skips. Everything that's oh, yeah. all the crappy sequels in between. It's it's close because apparently, knowing from my trivia Halloween trivia that I participated in and won, because I'm the running <laughs> right work trivia champion, <laughs> is Friday the Thirteenth. That's the most amount of sequels slash remake slash rebooting kind of Has franchising. Seen Jason X. I've never actually seen a Friday the Thirteenth film. I'll admit. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So I, I it's one franchise I'm very very behind. Apparently, they've got. 13 or 14, uh, which would be 14 the 13th. That's yes. a lie, by the way, listeners. Virat never watches any horror films. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to no, say. No, no, but I know my trivia, so that's the, that's the thing. I don't need to watch <laughs> all of them. Yeah, we, we do recommend you watch at least good films, though. One of which is, I've got to say, Halloween. It's really good. So, as I said, this was it takes 40 years on. Laurie Strode, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, who was in Australia and having a ball recently, fondly reprising a role. But she plays a very different character this time around. She's a broken person. She's estranged from her daughter, Judy Greer, and granddaughter, an excellent Andy Matchak. And she's prepared 40 years for the return of Michael Myers. And it puts the whole film on a different plane and different dynamic. Because simply, this time you are faced with relative equals. And that the victim is prepared and has a formative knowledge of her tormentor. It really sounds like Terminator 2. It's not as good as Terminator 2, but how many films are? This is... This is still a decent sequel. Honestly, every time I hear Michael Myers, I'm expecting some kind of like Wayne's World reference dropped in. Yeah, I always Edgar, got confused Edgar as a kid. Got got ahead of us on that one. I yeah. know. <laughs> Edgar. Edgar. <laughs> so in this one, Myers obviously escapes. He's being transferred between, you know, places on of all place of all times, late October. It's really not a good time to do risky things with Michael Myers, like at all. Just really no. Um this film's really Do you watch a risky business remake with Michael Myers? <laughs> <laughs> That's that was a great movie. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah, the only time I could actually buy Tom Cruise in like I am interested in shorts. what you have yeah. to say about <laughs> Halloween. Interesting segue. <laughs> I just I just was suddenly taken by the image of Mike Myers in Risky Business. 
in in hello in October in Halloween. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I, I, it's been so long since I watched that film. Oh, I, last time I saw it was the Tom Cruise running supercut, which is amazing. Yes. Now it's like six minutes long because of Fallout. It's not as good as Owen Wilson saying "Wow, supercut," but it's close. Back to Halloween. Back to Halloween. The, uh, the teens getting murdered supercut by David Gordon Green. <laughs> yes. So, look, this film is really in two parts. One is the first two thirds, which is a generally good horror film, and the last third, which is still good, but essentially a large homage to the first film. The film is good in that it takes a few tropes that it created and that everyone knows, the insufferable boyfriend, uh, how young people usually fare in horror films, the role of psychiatrist, um, formerly the superb and wonderful Donald Pleasance here, played by Haluk Bilginger, and subverts them. And However... You have also times when they do it's not so great effect. This is written by oh my god, his name just escaped me. Danny um, McBride, Danny McBride and yes. David Gordon Green wrote this together. They've collaborated before on quite a lot of comedies from Pineapple Express onwards. Yeah, so Danny McBride, he wrote this, and he's a comedy actor. He's As, known yeah. for his comedy chops, and there are comedic moments in this film, and some are good. I've talked before about how horror and comedy D- can work very well together. David Gordon Green started out as the protege of Terrence Malick, but he's really become a horror, sorry, a comedy director in, in the in the interim. Token Malick reference. Yeah, that's right. Oh, wait, to wait, drop it in. Wait, wait, it has, it has, it's has it's actually true, there. though. Malick was his <laughs> producer, and he was really aping Malick's style. If there's any director who's had a more insane shift in the, their output... I'd like. Uh, well, he's definitely created his own identity, which is a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, that's true. Yes, and but, and this was quite decent. But having said that, the comedic moments didn't always work so well. There's some where you need a reprieve, and horror and comedy can work very well together. But when a kid shouts out, "No, no, send the boyfriend!" It may as well be a member of the audience, and it takes you out of the, you know, out of the tension, and it takes away so much of what have hitherto been built up. So there was sometimes it worked really well, and sometimes it worked really poorly. Do you feel that's the Marvel effect? Because I feel like that kind of self-reference thing is this kind of you know this very superhero style which is like everything needs to be the fourth wall breaking and like it it wasn't even the worst one there was a moment where they genuinely directly patently mock all the sequels and there's there's obviously a twist in the second film about the heritage of michael myers and someone just says oh this was just something that you know they made up to do this or that ha 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 and it's a big audible throne in the audience scary movie like you know spin-off rather than an actual horror movie right now no scream sounds like a scream version of halloween it stands on its own there is an amazing incredible marvelous tracking shot which mirrors the opening tracking shot of the first film there's an incredible use for motion sensor there's some there's a couple of I gotta say there's a couple of podcasters though who are very hard done by. I feel how they're treated is gonna split a lot of people. I think they could have been treated a little better though. What happens to them does set the tone for this film. You uh, mentioned it, Scream I, now, I'm thinking about popcorn again. Sorry. Oh how popcorn. Yes. <laughs> Go to Roseville Cinema the popcorn. So look, this this is, film was a bit miss. It's mostly hit. I liked it. I'm keen to watch it again. That is Halloween. That is in cinemas tomorrow. All power to Jamie Lee Curtis, actually. I'm, I'm just amazing for her age, what she's doing at this point. And the best film is still True Lies. Yeah. Okay. Better, is this oh, better or worse than Halloween movie. H2O? It's better. Okay. Because Halloween H2O is like... I haven't seen that since it came out. It's actually it's a fun, fun, trashy horror movie. It's no no one near as good yeah, as the original and Halloween. I haven't seen... I, I don't think I saw the end of that film. I need I, I need to sit down and watch each Halloween film, but I, I would well, say... Well, you could. A week ago when they had the ridiculous 16-hour marathon at the Chevelle Cinema. I'm not putting myself wait. through that. But wait, <laughs> you would rate True Lies above Fish Called Wanda or Freaky Friday for Jamie Lee Curtis movies? Uh, True Lies is a masterpiece. So I mean, I'll yeah, hear a word against she it. was like, I'll just so hard at that. I get it. Yeah, did Trump steal his, on the steal his catchphrase? Is is I James Cameron responsible for the Trump presidency? When he shot the head of Crimson Jihad you know, <laughs> <laughs> through a building. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, that film. That film could not be made today. So that was that was not true lies. That is Halloween. It is in cinemas soon. And a film that is nothing like true lies. Uh, yeah, First Man. Is it a true lie? It's a, it's so bogged down in fact. M- maybe it's it? a true fact. I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm being lied to on some level by this film because... It's all fake news, guys. It's well, <laughs> landing was fake. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. The, Stanley Kubrick did it better, you know, 50 years ago. <laughs> or, or even Tchaikovsky with Solaris. So, yeah, you know, but, what are we even but, doing? But, what is space? But um, Tchaikovsky was, was just ripping off Kubrick's production of the moon landing. Yes, yeah, so was Paul Schrader with First Reformed. So, you know, what are we doing? People flying in space. Is I'm, it imagination? Is it actual... Um, well, so this is, we these, these the questions will not be answered <laughs> by First Man. Uh, first Man... Actually, yeah, First Reformed, First Man, this is like a very Third we're Man. about the first. Third yeah. Man, well, please not put Third Man and First <laughs> Man together man, in the same yeah, sentence, the please, man please. is a much better movie. Okay, uh, <laughs> First Man is a film that is tasked with the difficult goal of making an exciting biopic around Neil Armstrong, a guy who is famous for being incredibly stoic, even to his family, uh, barely betraying an emotion. And so naturally, Ryan Gosling, who's become a bit famous for playing roles like that ever since The Driver. Oh, the worst. Wait, the, so, uh, the, the drive. Oh, drive. Uh, drive. Right? The, yeah. the, the, yeah, the worst. Drive. No, he plays no, the no, driver. No. That's what he's called in the credits. <laughs> oh. Anyway, can we not talk about that? Um, it's like when yeah, people say played, Doctor Who instead of the Doctor. Last year. That was a lot better. Anyway, um, only God forgives, but nobody's going to forgive no Ryan Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the point is, Ryan Gosling does a lot of his usual shtick of playing a blank man. And the movie tries to stir up some big emotions around it with the Hans Zimmerish score we were playing earlier. Um, but I think the film, yeah, it's tasked with this really difficult protagonist and it never figures out quite what to do with him. But so it, it goes in a whole bunch of different directions and it feels like it, it lacks a real true emotional core. I've, I've noticed this sort of bare kind of thematic shift in these uh, movies, sci-fi centric movies about male protagonists and how we're meant to somehow care about them and the emotional stakes when they go through these family troubles and often it is the death or, you know, yeah. of a family member, often a female family member. And fortunately, that's just used as such a basic primitive plot device, which I'm kind of sick of right now. Well, it's the only thing this film was about. I struggled to figure out, was this film about space exploration? Is it about ambition? Is it about risk? No, it's about grief. But grief is only dealt with, as you referenced, at the very beginning and very end of the movie. They try to yeah. fit so much more in as a family drama. Some of the it scientific stuff is on, interesting, but it, it doesn't go into any detail. social issues of the time. It touches on... Oh, in, a, in, what, 20 seconds? Yeah. It touches on family issues. Math um, equations on, on blackboards. That, those scenes were great. I wish there'd be more of it. But Hidden Figures had that going for it. I mean, Look, the dish, Hidden Figures, has, all these films has covered this area right so much stuff. better. The, another thing that this movie focuses on is the test flight program and the space race and the human sacrifice and massive superhuman efforts that went into making it a reality. And that's been covered brilliantly by Philip Kaufman in The Right Stuff. Um, the, I don't think this fi- this film tries to be like a whole lot of other films that have covered similar territory before and spreads itself too thin. I r- was really looking forward to this because Damien Chazelle is such a strong visual director. Um, but a lot of this movie is in shot like a Paul Greengrass movie. So in tight close-ups in shaky cam, handheld. Um, and I don't think that really plays to Damien Chazelle's strengths because he's incredibly good at 
choreographing motion and wide shots. And so this film comes to life in the space sequences where his control over sound and light and motion is really in full effect. But outside of that, um, there's very little to recommend here because since there's, as I said before, it's spread so thin, everything feels surface level. I really think the film would be stronger if it were actually focused around his family life because that seems to be the main emotional hook of the film. Um, but it seems like they, I don't know, maybe it was Josh Singer who wrote the script maybe thought that was too boring. I don't know. I, I don't know what his we, motivations were, but that would have been an original angle, focusing on the the woman who has to deal with this enigma of a man and the stresses of him putting his life at risk all the time. But he's called a twat. <laughs> yeah, the best scene in this film was one that lasted all of a minute, which was a rocket-failed rocket flight. It was beautiful visually, but every scene, I think I mentioned it last week, was like the scene, the car crash scene Whiplash. It was just too constricting. But it worked in Whiplash um, because that was, you know, the one moment of, you know, the film was about that. This film seems to have a visual strategy of starting off constricted and expanding outward until they arrive on this huge wide expanse of the moon. But that felt too telegraphed to me. Everything in this movie felt too sort of intellectual as opposed to ever really felt. And the family drama that should have been the hook of the film um, just feels like Oscar bait cliches to me, to be honest. This is Oscar bait cliche the movie. Yep. Uh, I'd rather moan the death of film struck than watch this movie again. So that is First Man. It is in cinemas now. Halloween will be in cinemas tomorrow. The Jewish International Film Festival is screening at the beautiful Roseville Cinemas with the lovely popcorn. Halloween's out now, man. Halloween's, oh, it's Halloween. It's already oh, out. Yeah. So Halloween is out now. So Halloween yeah. is out now. Yes, Halloween is out now. You should go see it. Happy Halloween. You can see and it tonight if you want. <laughs> at Bondi Junction, where you're going to check out the Jewish International Film Festival. This has been Glenn Falkenstein, Chris Evans, and Virat Nehru. Uh, we have to do all manners of Halloween-y things, because it is Halloween, and we're going to go out, you know, yeah. spooking. We, we're, we're also, yeah... Are you sure it's Halloween? We, you said we were going to Kino and afterwards, and that oh, happens right. on October. Oh yes, 30th, pre-record the ah. day before Halloween. Well, we're gonna. How we wrap this up? On? Good night.